guys, my name is Lisa Chandler, and this is our seventh episode of Lisa Talks Print on Demand. I am a longtime photographer who started um, the print on demand business in the spring of 2022 and really kind of took time. I had it for about a year, and I did definitely try on it. Don't get me wrong. Learned my um, design skills more. I use Canva. I use all the things you've probably heard about on YouTube and just kind of went for it and had a lot of fun with it. But it was something that was very more um, just like every once in a while we'll do it. And I build my shop, build my shop up pretty big, but it wasn't something that I really focused on until August 2023 when I was like, I've been doing this for about a year and I haven't really taken any time to like really pay attention to print on demand. And so I started really paying attention in August 2023. I'm recording this at the end of November 2023 and it'll post, I think, in February. And, um, I just have so much to share with you about what I think about print on demand and as someone with a creative background, how we can take that creative thought process that any kind of creative, um, any kind of creative really has to go through when they're creating things. And that was like so many sentences that probably wasn't the best there, but whatever, we're just rolling with it. Um, but what we can do with having like creativity and paying attention to the patterns in our shops and what builds over time. I'm so excited about this episode because we're talking about something so like such a great cross between creativity and also just like recognizing patterns and it's just going to be the freaking best. And today we're talking about scaling your designs with more design. So welcome to the podcast. It's going to be a fun one. The first thing I want to talk about before we got into this episode is this very simple question, and that is, does more designs equal more sales? Personally, I don't think that more designs equals more sales. What I do think is that the more designs you have, the more you're going to be able to see and recognize patterns in your work for what is working and what your customers are um interested in buying. We've talked about this in earlier episodes, specifically with my dress rental company and how I wanted to do really ostentatious gowns and how those do sell, do rent out, but they're not as rentable as some of my like classic wedding pieces that will like fold down into a suitcase for when people travel and want to do like destination wedding shoots. Those aren't exactly the same thing. And, um, I had to pivot a little bit and add more of that kind of inventory. And that was something I had to learn. And so when I started Print On Demand, um, I'm going to backtrack a little bit, kind of recap a little bit, I think, in this episode, because this is just such a fun topic. And when I started Print On Demand, I started posting on Etsy because I knew my designs weren't good enough for me to put on my website yet. But I really wanted to figure everything out and like kind of get it going. I meant to start making photographer merch, but then I started selling things to authors instead because there was a crossover with editing type. I was making like funny editing um, t-shirts and sweatshirts and they started getting bought by authors. And then I was like, as we've talked about, I love books. And so I branched into bookish merch and history merch because those are things I love and they're so fun and I always have ideas about them. Um, But like they weren't like what I would have thought about. I didn't like start a shop being like, I'm going to make a book merch shop. That's not what I was going to do, but that is probably half of my designs at this point is half history or sorry, half book and then probably two thirds history and the rest is photography and animals. Um, so 
when you're doing more designs, like I think when you first start scaling them, because you're going to get in a pattern, the more you design, the more you make, the more you're going to learn, the faster you're going to be able to do the designs. And sometimes it can feel like you're just throwing spaghetti at the wall. But what we are doing when we're creating more designs is really gathering research. No one is going to be perfect at something immediately. And if you see success in something really fast, that is fantastic. But more important than seeing success really fast is understanding that success so you can keep it going over time. So while making more designs does not necessarily mean, okay, I have 100 shirts up, so I'm going to definitely sell a tenth of these. So if I have 500 shirts up, I'm going to sell a tenth of those. That's not how it works. But the more designs you make, the more you're going to like identify what's working for your shop and what's working for you and what can be combined with what you like to make and what sells and how to kind of keep that moving, keep that grooving. So If you design a coffee mug of a raccoon wearing sunglasses and it starts flying off your online shelves, how can you keep momentum growing? And how can you stop anyone from stealing your designs? Those are big questions and we are going to be real cheesy for a minute. When we start print on demand, the big numbers sound really daunting. We hear about having 100 products on our store and see big shops with over 5,000 listings. How can one person design so much? How can like those shops keep on growing? And how can really like, how can one person make that much? So today we're going to sit back and talk all about scaling your designs with more designs. Think of your items. Okay, I said we're going to be cheesy, so we're going to be really cheesy. Gonna <laughs> you're going to just go for it. Think of your items as sunflower seeds. Did you know that technically each little seed is its own flower on a sunflower? Did you also know that there are over 70 varieties of sunflowers? If you plant a single sunflower seed and it sprouts, you can end up with a cute two-foot teddy bear little sunflower, or you can end up with an enormous mammoth 12-foot sunflower. And within each of those sunflowers, there can be hundreds of seeds. Imagine that one spring, you throw a flu you just throw a few sunflower seed packets into a patch of dirt. Because nothing was planted, just thrown, only three sunflowers survive and thrive. Each sunflower of these is a different variety. So that first year, there's just three sunflowers. You freaking love these sunflowers. And without knowing much about them, you decide to save 10 seeds from each of these three sunflowers for the next year. So you've saved 30 seeds. Of these sunflower seeds, 10 become mature, full-blown, full-blooming sunflowers. So at the end of that year, you decide to save 10 more from each sunflower seed. So you're two years in, and now you have 100 seeds from 100 sunflowers that all originated from that first packet of seeds. Okay? Stay with me. I'm not good at math, so just kind of give me some grace. You started with three sunflowers thrown into a patch of dirt. The next year, you have 10 sunflowers. The third year, you have 30 if they're at that same survival rate. And that same year, you decide you really love sunflowers and you want to add more. You add a couple more varieties and they stick a lot better because you now you know about planting sunflowers. And by the middle of that summer, you have a booming flower patch with like 50 or 75 flowers. They're all different kinds of sunflowers, some short, some tall, some yellow, some orange, but they're all sunflowers. And they all branched out because you had the idea to throw a few sunflower packets onto a patch of dirt. That's all it was, was you just threw some sunflower seeds onto some dirt, didn't take care of them, just threw them to see what happened. But there was a bunch of them and you just threw them. So this would be like our spaghetti on the wall. (laughs) 
from there, your sunflower survival rate is going to grow. When you throw when you threw those first packets down, you knew nothing about gardening. Three years later, though, you've learned a lot about it. You may not be a master gardener and may never will be, but you know enough now that you can correctly plant those sunflower seeds. You have a fairly routine watering schedule and you can even fertilize the ground a time or two and like spot things like like when the sunflowers need to be cut and you know the difference between like branching sunflowers and single stem sunflowers, um, which you didn't know when you first threw those seeds onto the ground. Your sunflowers are gorgeous, but to get them you had to go through a lot of trial and error. Like there was a lot of baby sunflowers that never took root and a lot that wilted out that never reached their potential. Also, sometimes seeds are just duds. You can nurture them, water them, and like totally baby them with all of your love and they just don't grow. Think of your designs like this. As someone with a pod shop with a large inventory and a backyard gardener who with a huge backyard garden, like it's basically like a walkthrough garden at this point, our backyard is, um, and it has like over 50 rose bushes and so many sunflowers, um, just take it from me. We all, all start from somewhere and we usually don't know anything when we are starting. And as you go, they're going to be total duds. Some of these duds are easy to diagnose, the design is off, the pricing is off, etc. But sometimes things look stellar and you can't find the root of the problem to why something is not selling. At the end of those day, those days, like the day, those designs just don't work. And that's okay. We need them, we need duds to be able to learn from them, just like we ha- need to be able to learn from designs that sell. So if you have, going back to that raccoon idea, if you have a raccoon coffee mug where the raccoon is wearing sunglasses and it has like a funny saying, what do you do from there? Do you, if you're making more designs, what do you do? I want you to think about it for a second. The first thing you would do, you know that the raccoon is selling and it has the funny sunglasses. So you take that raccoon, you turn it into a bunny, you turn it into a tiger, you turn it into a lion, you pick like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different kinds of animals and have the same basic vibe. So if the mug is a raccoon with sunflowers and stars everywhere, just take it and make it a giraffe with sunflower with uh, stars and sunglasses. Keep everything the same except for that animal. Because then you're going to learn, do people like this because it's a raccoon or do people like it because it is sunglasses? The other thing you can do is you take that design, take the sunflowers off the raccoon and maybe put like a funny phrase. So take something away and you can add something to make it different. So you have this first image that is a raccoon with sunglasses. Now you have 10 different animals wearing sunglasses on coffee mugs. Then take another one and do a funny phrase. You can say, I don't know, trash panda. I don't know if that's trademarked. Just an idea. Raccoons, trash pandas, whatever. I love trash. I don't know. Um, The best diets. I don't, I don't know. The best diet is a trash diet. I don't know. <laughs> something, like something funny. Something something sassy. You know what I mean? Do that. Take the sunglasses off. 
put the funny phrase on there and see if that sells. You can even just take the sunglasses off as long as you have other design elements and see if it sells without the sunglasses. And then just kind of, you could do different variations. So you have the one with the sunglasses, take the sunglasses off for one and that's the only thing you change. The other thing, take the sunglasses off and put a funny phrase. And then you could even make one with the sunglasses and the funny phrase and see what happens. You can use the same SEO. You can change it a little bit. Of course, there's variations. Nothing is totally foolproof if you're like A-B testing like this. Um, Some people will say that it is, but I think there's a lot of luck that goes into listings taking off. So yes, if you want the same thing, but you you can diversify the SEO if you want to some. There's so many different kinds of SEO you can use. So as you keep doing that, you're going to build your shop out. And this is how the list, how stores can get so big for print on demand with so many listings. Because if you have one idea of this raccoon wearing sunglasses, once you are used to designing, you can take that idea of the raccoon wearing sunglasses and scale it to like 10 or 15 designs very easily. Now, when we start, that seems very intimidating, but when you have been designing for a year, when you've made a 1,000 designs, 2,000 designs, it is very easy to do this. It's very um, fun and creative. I love it because sometimes I'll have an idea. I'll be like, oh, I'm going to make, like the other day I made, oh, what was it? It was really funny. Um, I made a bunch of just like really, really ridiculous t-shirts, um, like really ridiculous. Like I did like... Um, let's see. I did one that was like a bear wearing a dress with like cute, and I added a bunch of like cute flowers, like cottage quarry, and it said like, um, not accepting any bad, any kind of bad vibe, like something like that, like something very just like cute and funny and punchy. It might not sell. It might. I don't know. It's been up for like two days and we'll see what happens. But I put it on a couple of different products. We'll talk more about products next week. Um, But I also took that same idea and I made very different designs, but they had that still kind of like punchy um, joke and all of them have one similar SEO keyword and the rest are different to see if it is something that would be mass appealing. And I did several things once I did one bear design. I think I did three bear designs Um, because why not? I just tried it out. And if they don't work, then they don't work. It was a couple of hours of work and I was like watching um, The Crown, I think, something like that (laughs) at the same time and um, watching a show and making the designs. And it was more fun than um, just that was a good use of my time that day. It was fun. I was working. I was trying things out. And if they sell, that's fantastic. If they don't, they don't. Like, I don't really know. And that's the thing about print on demand. And and that's so awesome is that you can, again, we've talked about this so many times, but you can just test things out to see if they work. And as you're doing this, you're going to be doing a couple of things. One, you're going to be validating a niche within your own store. So we're going to go back to that raccoon wearing sunglasses over and over. And if you have a raccoon wearing sunglasses and it starts selling as a shark wearing sunglasses, that's one of your animals, you have a shark wearing sunglasses, you know that people like funny images of animals wearing sunglasses. So you have validated that in your own store. We talk a lot about looking at external stores and there can be value in that, but on this podcast, I really wanna focus on internal validation within your own shop of what is working because that's gonna work for us best long-term because trends change, but you can always study what's happening in your own shop, whether you're selling on a platform or your own website. You can tell this even just by what you're posting on social media. So keep looking at what is selling. If you, say you make that mug design, you do 
10 different animals and only the shark one sells, just the shark and the raccoon. So what you're gonna do there is you know that you need to build more shark items. So yes, you can do more funny shark sunglass designs, but you can also do just more shark designs. And now you have these funny raccoon images and these funny shark designs. So you're on your way to having a funny animal um, product. <laughs> offering. And then you can build more and more on that. And that's going to branch your shop out more and more. And while you're doing this, the first thing you're doing is that validating. The other thing is you are protecting your work by expanding. So I'm going to tell a little bit of a story about this. And we're going to talk about mock-ups. One reason that I like to use mock-ups is it's very easy to visually say this when I like um, share these. But one thing I do a lot in my mock-up shop, when I started, I just did plain color backdrops because I was like, everything is like white walls. Like when I started shooting my mock-ups and I was like, they're kind of just white walls. So I'm going to do very simple setups, but with colorful backdrops. Learned very fast. That wasn't the way I wanted to do it. So I build sets. And last fall, I was like, um, so it's in December of 2022. I was like, I want to do <laughs> some more mock-up shoots because I just wasn't like feeling the vibes. I was like, these are just they're not creative enough for me. And so I put together a big tinsel shoot with a bunch of tinsel I had in my house. One thing for me with mock-ups is that I am a photographer. So I have a lot of backdrop stuff just at my house at my disposal. So I had like big disco balls already because I use them and I also rent them out for weddings. And I was like, okay, let's use these big disco balls. Let's do a big tinsel backdrop. And I can vividly remember telling my model, I was like, these are either going to sell so much or they are not going to move at all. For me, the tinsel backdrops are big sellers. And so what happened is that one, I started seeing more tinsel backdrops pop up. I'm not saying I created the, the whole trend. I'm saying I see more of them now. And I also a couple weeks ago got on and saw a bunch of AI mock-ups created very obviously from my mock-up photographs, specifically of one model with tinsel backdrops. And my first thought was like, dang it. You know what I mean? Like no one likes that. But then I was like, you know, I can have this go several ways. So by the time this podcast airs, I will have done like three more tinsel backdrop shoots with different colors. I already had other tinsel backdrops, but now I'm expanding more on tinsel backdrops because even though like I have tinsel backdrops al already, I want more to expand my own footprint with those tinsel backdrops because I want to feel more ownership of that um, style because it works well for me first off. I love it. It's fun to shoot. They're way fun to put together. And then it's so fun to shoot them. I love them. It's adorable. And I usually shoot the same model for those who I just absolutely adore. And it's so freaking fun. And so I'm like, okay, I could just be like, nope, staying away from tinsel backdrops now because somebody, because it's, I'm seeing it more for other people pop up. But I like shooting tinsel backdrops. So for me, I'm going to expand on that. And by doing that, I'm protecting my work and expanding on it because I have more of that. So if someone loves tinsel backdrops, they can come to my shop and know that I'm going to have really unique and fun tinsel backdrops in different colors with fun styling. And they'll be able to have photographs that mix and match easily because I've taken all the photographs and I've designed all of the setups because it's coming from me personally. It's my artwork and something I am putting out. However, when you see that someone is making something close to you, there is always that like gut punch when you're like, dang it, that was my idea. 
that's a bummer. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not, of course, faulting anyone who has seen a tinsel backdrop photograph and then has also taken backdrop photographs with tinsel. That's not what I mean. I am not saying anybody is wrong for doing that. We all have creative um, inspiration from other people. And sometimes that can happen. Like say I shot a tinsel backdrop and then another person did it and another person did it and another, someone could create a tinsel backdrop and never even know that I also create tinsel backdrops. Like they have no reference points for that. That's how trends work, right? So when you see a trend, don't, and you're in a trend or you start a trend, don't worry about everyone just coming for your stuff. Of course, your sales can be impacted when there's more competition. And of course, people can come in and copy your stuff. But the more you have and the more you're expanding those designs to be interconnected, the harder it's going to be for someone to come in and really just like really take over what you are selling. Does that make sense? So if you have made a shop and you have all these raccoon wearing sunglasses and now you have shark wearing sunglasses and expand flamingos wearing sunglasses, it's not hard for someone to see that raccoon shirt and then make that raccoon shirt with sunglasses. And it's not hard for them to really do the shark or the flamingo too. But if you have that and you have expansions of that same style that's worked so well for you, just going on and on and on, that's really hard to replicate, even if they're using extensions, even if they're looking at all of your keywords and trying to mimic the exact same design. So when you're doing that, you're protecting your work and building your inventory base. Whew, I love it. I hope that was helpful. I feel like I really just like went hard on that because I am just so, I've been teaching photography for so long, right? And sometimes I feel like when I do these brand demand podcasts, I'm like, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is what it's like because I come from with that creative background instead of just like tutorial driven. That's why these aren't tutorial driven. They are just like we're sitting and talking about brand demand and what works. Okay. So another thing you can do as you are scaling your designs is build out from customer requests. So I get a lot of customer requests in my shop, not like every day or anything, but probably one every week or two. And that can, you know, be quite a few for me um, because again, I have like, I don't know, like 1200, no, 1500, 1600 sales at this point. I don't know. Um, not like a ton of amount. And I added a ton the past couple weeks. Um, last time I recorded an episode, I think I had like 2,800 items and now I hit 3000 just by tweaking some stuff and doing some stuff for some customers really fast because I've been focused on building out my shop. Um, I haven't been focused on sales. I can't control the sales. I can con- I can control how much I build things out. And that's something I have been working on this fall in my print on demand shop. And you might be listening to this and being like, dang, like that's not a lot of sales, but it's a lot more than one. <laughs> It's a lot more than one, and I don't do trademark infringement. Um, <laughs> I say that with all the sass. Everything I do is try. I try to be unique as possible and just really have fun with it. I don't. Um, I just love to have fun with it. Um, I do sell Jane Austen stuff, but that is public domain. <laughs> Also, what you're going to do is build out your shop with those customer requests. So what you're going to do is build out with what they want. So I sell history merch, right? So I love Anne Boleyn. I love Anne Boleyn and I have a bunch of fun Anne Boleyn stuff. And what happens with that is because I started with Anne Boleyn, of course, I have Henry VIII's other wives. I also just have prominent women in mostly English history. And what will happen with that, like I didn't have anything for Mary Queen of Scots on my shop. And then one day someone messaged me and they're like, can I have Mary Queen of Scots stuff? And I'm like, sure, let's go for it. And I made a Mary Queen of Scots 
t-shirt and it sold like four or five times. So now I have multiple types of Mary Queen of Scots on that shop. It doesn't make sense for someone who's not selling history merch to have stuff about Mary Queen of Scotch, Scots, but it makes sense for me. And that's why a customer approached me and asked for Mary Queen of Scots. Um, I don't do, again, like I made a joke earlier about trademark infringement, but like I don't work with anything like I will work with historical figures up to like 1899, but then things can get messy. I don't do anything like 1900s, any kind of public figure like that. I do people who were deceased before 1900. And that's something that, so someone who was alive in the 1500s, sure, I can make a shirt about that. But it doesn't make sense if you're selling a bunch of raccoon shirts and just raccoon shirts to have um, history merch in your shop, unless there's something tying them together. Um, and for me, I do have some raccoon designs that sell and they're tied together with my cottage core flower designs. So it's really fun and really fun to build out that way. And I love it because sometimes people will come to my shop and they'll buy a text t-shirt, but they'll also buy a flower t-shirt. And I know it's working because they'll have, say, a history t-shirt with text, and then a book shirt with some flowers, and then like an animal shirt with flowers too, because it appeals to them on a broad spectrum because I'm going for a certain personality type that is similar to my personality type. Um, personality, yes, it's, like, it's similar to that. Like I'm nerdy, but I'm really girly. So really girly, really nerdy, cute, pretty, whimsical. That's what I make because it's what I'm drawn to. If I didn't like flowers though, I wouldn't make stuff with flowers. Um, <laughs> so that's something that is so important when you're building out is having those customer requests and really building out and paying attention to what they request of you. Because as your customers, they know what they want. And there's a reason they are approaching you to make it for them. They could approach any shop on Etsy or platform. I am selling on Etsy. So that's my main thing. But if you're on a, if you have your own shop and you're making funny graphic tees, there's a reason they've approached you instead of another shop. There's something about your shop they like, whether you're on a platform or whether you're running your own website. And as you do this, just keep growing that way. I know, again, I've talked about how it can be intimidating when you get these really large shops. And if you get on some of the like online forums, it can be really discouraging with people saying, what are you doing? But when you're building out a big, um, <laughs> A bigger, when you're trying to figure out what you're selling and you don't have to hold inventory, you can try out different designs. You can try out different SEO. You can try out different mock-ups. Just keep building it. I'm not saying list the same shirt five times. That's not what I'm saying in any way. And I don't want that to be taken that way. Um, I like to do like, for example, I'll use one. I love funny cat shirts. They're hilarious. And so like I have a really funny cat shirt that is just like my favorite. It's so ridiculous. And I have it in three different versions with different text to like that appeals to different branches of my shop. And I think of those, they've been up for about three weeks. And I think that three of them have sold and uh, like three designs of that have sold. Um, I have three and two have sold for one each. One has sold for one niche twice, and then one has sold just randomly, and then one of them hasn't sold at all yet. And so what will happen as I'm moving forward is I will decide what to keep and what to retire. So if when the listings are coming up for renewal, if that's still the pattern, I will take away the one that does not sell. There's, you know... And that's why I'm saying, like, there's not always a reason. Sometimes I'll have, like, a sweatshirt that just, like, pops off and then the t-shirt or mug literally never sells. And so that's why you have to be 
build out sometimes, build those designs, you know, with this example, you could have this funny raccoon and you can build out all of these other animals and just the shark and just the flamingo cells. So what happens when it's up for renewal, whether you want to do it the first time, second time, third time, is you would pull back, you delete the listings, delete the products that are not selling. Um, so you sell... Um, the funny raccoon, the funny shark, and the funny flamingo, but you have a funny hippo and it doesn't sell, you would just get rid of the hippo one. Um, and that way you can control your listings a little bit more and then you'll have more and more um, products that are performing well. And the longer they stay, the more they're going to um, just get good feedback. And I think that's so awesome. So remember that as you are building, you don't have to keep everything you create. I would say a lot of people talk about the 80-20 rule. I do think there is some truth in that, but it also depends on um, what you're making, what you're doing. For example, I sell a lot of bumper stickers, even though that's something you wouldn't really think about when you come to my shop, because I have a lot of I have a couple bumper stickers that sell all of the time. And when those sell all the time, like, but I haven't really, like when I've built those out, I haven't had as much success as I had with other things. So I have some stickers that sell really well, but the profit margins are smaller. And um, the designs, I will reformat them sometimes into other things to scale my designs with more designs. But sometimes what like the same kind of bumper sticker humor isn't the same for like a t-shirt. And um, that's something that is just, again, and you have to decide what to keep and what to retire as you see how things perform, how people interact with your listings, how people interact with your products. Um, it's really fun. Like it is a fun thing to do. And that's what I'm so passionate about Pre-On Demand. I really wanted to create this podcast is that I feel like Pre-On Demand is such a wonderful way to grow your ideas. It's just freaking fantastic. And I hope this was a helpful episode for y'all. Remember to scale your designs with more designs. Make designs that are related to the designs that are successful for you. So if that is a raccoon wearing sunglasses, build on that the way you can. And know that just like with sunflower seeds, told you we'd be cheesy in this episode, just like with sunflower seeds, sometimes there are duds. <laughs> they just don't work and they just don't thrive. And that's okay. Other times, things really work for you and it's not what you expected. You throw those seeds on the ground and then you have this 15 foot sunflower in your backyard when you just threw it. And other times you can baby those little baby seeds of sunflowers that are gonna be three feet tall and they just don't bloom. And that's why it's so important to pay attention to what sells, pay attention to what you like to make and just start creating designs that have an element in them that relate to other things. So again, in my shop, and y'all can look at my shop, it is called Opal and June Shop. Um, my print on demand shop is, and it has flowers, it has text designs, it has the most maximalist designs you will ever see in your life. But it works with the um, text designs too, because things like, um, like I said with the example, like I will have someone buy a book t-shirt, a history t-shirt, and an animal, animal flower shirt regularly, because they are fun and they appeal to the same kind of person and they're just kind of fun and kitschy and eclectic, which I love because that's the kind of stuff I like. But if I didn't like kitschy and eclectic stuff, if I didn't like maximalist type, I can talk, maximalist type stuff, then it wouldn't be as fun for me to build these out. I like funny, sassy things, but like also really weirdly wholesome. Like I love it. Like it's a fun thing to design for. It's a fun thing to come up with. And it's 
fun. Have fun with your print on demand job. Don't put so much pressure on yourself to like think you have to sell $10,000 in 10 days. That's not how it's going to work for 99%, 99.9% probably of sellers, no matter what platform you're selling on, especially if you're not using a lot of social media. We'll talk about social media in a couple of episodes and how that can help, um, with your sales. But if you are focused right now just on building your shop, as I have been this fall, and that's something we haven't talked a ton about, but I have really been focused on building out this fall to see what will happen for the next year. I wanted to really feel like I had an established shop of products by the end of this year, which I am comfortable with now. But it took a lot of focusing on what was working, paying attention and building out from what I was making. Okay, guys, you can do this. You can have fun with it. Just look at what is selling. Look at what is getting favorited if you don't have sales. Look at what people are going to on your product page of your website if you are not having a lot of, uh, if you're not on a platform and you have an individual website. Look at that traffic. Look at what people are clicking on and then build out from the things that people are interested in. I'm going to say it one more time. If you have a raccoon wearing sunglasses, turn it into 10 different animals and then take away the sunglasses with just the raccoon and see what happens. Okay, guys, I'll talk to you next week. Bye.